Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, almost wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, the best in new inventory, all with great warranties. Fabulous pre-owned inventory at the Sunbury Motors Guarantee and a great service department that takes care of every issue you have. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. We now turn our attention to the Temple of Doom and the rant of the day. <laughs> I don't know. Did you see the A's reverse uh, boycott last night? Did you see the highlights of that? No. I thought it was pretty pathetic, if you ask me. I mean, well, the there's only 27,000 fans there. I know they have the one top uh, gated off high, there. Yeah. Which is a season high, by the way. Right, exactly. But that still doesn't fill the stadium. That's not a sellout to me whatsoever. The upper deck is still completely uh, empty, which I know it's been. But still, like, if you're going to revert, if you're going to do something like this, like, go all out and make sure you fill the entire stadium. And even so, you still see some empty seats there. And again, I get the 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 one upper deck in the outfield has been covered for a while now. I get that, but I, again, I, I always thought this whole thing was dumb to begin with. But the fact that they still didn't fill the stadium completely, I, I just thought made it just made them look so much worse. And I just thought well, the whole thing was stupid. The the timing of it did not help because right before the game, everybody found out that. The Nevada legislature had approved the three hundred eighty million for the ballpark. All right, there's that too. I mean, just the, the that, whole thing just that, looks dumb. That, that didn't help. They're just look. They're fans just trying to do something. Come on, I mean, they they have no power at all. I mean, the area where fans have power is not showing up. But that's about it. And when it came to Let's face it. Um, People make decisions. And it's very rare when you can change decision makers' minds. Very rare. And there have been, I mean, for example, up in Canada, TSN, there. All sports stations in Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Vancouver all went off the air this morning at 11 o'clock Eastern Time because they said, that's it, we're not going to do all sports radio again. Now, now they're going to keep them in Toronto, Ottawa, and Montreal. But, I mean, the fans are upset. Is there anything the fans can do about it? No. They made up their mind. They're done. Those people are getting laid off. And guess what? 
So these people are all trying to do something. What makes sports fun is that you go there for the party of it, right? So they turned it into a party. They had food trucks there. They handed out shirts, the whole deal. And they just went, to be honest with you, it sounds like mostly they just went and they said, look, let's have some fun. They were loud because the pitcher on the mound, when they started chanting, sell the team, sell the team, in the fifth inning, I think it was, they went totally silent in the top of the fifth. Then they started doing sell the team in the bottom of the fifth. The pitcher thought that the device where he can hear uh, what the pitch is supposed to be, he thought it was broken because he couldn't hear because that's how loud they were. And, look, they just did something that wouldn't have fun. Right? And they're going to lose their team. They were saying, hey, you know, we deserve an expansion team. Actually, you don't. I mean, they're not going to go to Oakland. They already have San Francisco. They are not going to go to Oakland again. They're done. Oakland's done as a major league center. They're done. They're not going to get a basketball team. The hockey team's in San Jose. The football team is in Santa Clara. The basketball team is over in in San Francisco, and they're not going to get another franchise in Oakland. Is not. In uh, unless something dramatically changes there, and I don't see it happening. But look, they all went to have a good time last night, so they did. Right. Meanwhile, you're a party pooper. You don't like fun. I don't mind fun, but I'm saying if you're going to have fun and do something like this, do it right. You didn't yeah, fill half the stadium. You're still cheering and then doing the sell T-shirts, which is just. Their team is not good and it's not entertaining, and it, it, there's so much negative stuff about the Oakland A's. That, you know, twenty-seven thousand is probably the best they can do there right now because it's just. I mean, I know they've had some success in the last week, but yikes. And people are like, ah, I got other stuff to do. Yeah. Exactly. Then don't do it. In 1965, the Yankees were playing the last game of the regular season. This got this got Red Barber fired. You know how many people were at the last game of the season at Yankee Stadium in 1965? I'm guessing not much. This is the year after the Yankees were in the World Series and had lost to St. Louis in seven games. 1965, they had 1,200 fans at Yankee Stadium. And Red Barber asked the camera people to show nobody there. And when he did that, he ended up getting fired over it. The uh, When things are going lousy... You're not going to get people to turn out. So, yeah, there was no need to go in and try and save the franchise of the Yankees. They're unsavable. <laughs> no? No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! Yeah. 
And how much did the A's spend and how much did the Yankees spend? Touche in two different degrees. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, they spend, all, they spend way more than the A's even are considering. And the A's have gotten rid of talent. And they've gotten rid of people. And it's uh, it's part of the disparity that you have in the sport. That's why what the Orioles are doing, the Orioles and what they've done is remarkable. Their payroll is minimal because they have such a young team, it's minimal. And they're doing better than teams that are spending exponentially more. But you talk about bad timing. The Nevada State Senate passed the $380 million bill on Tuesday for the new stadium right before they were going to go. Okay. You know, it's... Longstanding fans have an issue. Because when you rip their team away, and Oakland's about to go through this, okay? There are a lot of people that lived in Brooklyn that will not follow the Los Angeles Dodgers to this day. I mean, they're older now. I'll tell you one of them, okay? Okay? Who who at one point was an usher at Ebbets Field. Joe Paterno would not follow the the Brooklyn Dodgers when when they went to Los Angeles. He wouldn't follow them. Remember Joe telling me about that. There are fans in Baltimore that won't follow the Ravens. They were huge Baltimore Colts fans. And just that just ripped their interest away in football. Now they you know, this is one where Oakland's always been on the on the cutting edge of all this. I mean when I mean cutting edge like of the cliff. And um, because it's always been an okay market, it's never been a great market. You know, I mean, the, four years ago, the A's won ninety-seven games, but since then. Nothing. I mean, they've done nothing. I mean, they've been, you know, taking the young players that they thought were going to be stars. They got rid of them. And it's almost like it's a scene out of Major League in some ways. And by the way, the sell the uh, sell T-shirts provided $39,000. And, uh, you know, some of the money went to charity, so. But they got 20,000 more fans than they usually get. But they reduced payroll. It's the lowest in baseball. The team then raised ticket prices. Then they started talking about how lousy the ballpark is, and then the fans were going, so we have to move. Okay. Doesn't mean there aren't A's fans. There are A's fans. There's no question about it. There are A's fans. 
There's not that many of them. You know, they tried. They tried to go to. I don't see. I'm trying to think where they where they try to go. They want to try to go to San Jose, and it was blocked by San by San Francisco because it's quote in their territory, which it was given to them by the A's owner at the time, William Haas. Um, when San Francisco needed help, Haas said, okay, you can have that as part of your territory. Okay, fine. Then when the A's needed it, they were told no. <laughs> hey. yeah, the whole thing is... And they tried to go someplace else. I'm trying to think of the difference. Um... And they have, you know, they had great proposals. You know, the proposal, uh, the Jack London Square neighborhood, really good. Uh, looked, I mean, looked really nice, the renderings. Um, but... I don't know. It's um they're in bad shape. Now we'll go, they'll go to Las Vegas. Not gonna mean you know, they'll have a beautiful ballpark. But you know, and then there's you know and then of course, you know, this was your opportunity to spew hate on these poor people losing their team. <laughs> All I'm saying is do it right. 27,000. I don't care if you messed up the pitcher's concentration and he couldn't hear. 27,000 is 27,000. There's still well, plenty of empty seats in there. And I just think if you're, if, if you're going to make your voice heard, don't waste your money. Just stay home. They did. And, they and continue to do it. That's all. They're only they're only averaging eight thousand a game. All right, I know, and they should have just stuck with that. And the eight thousand there could have just worn the sell the team shirts, and maybe you could have done that around the city instead of wasting your money and giving it to these guys that are just going to take your money and run anyway. Right. They had taco trucks outside. They had you know the t-shirts, the whole thing. Look, they, they all went there to have a good time. Yeah, you know, they all went there to have a good time. You know, I mean, I could go to Yankee Stadium and get mugged. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's never happened there before, has it? <clears throat> it's also happened not too far from Oakland, down the I-5. Of course. It happens a lot of places. You know, I could ride the subway out to uh, Yankee Stadium. I'm sure that's a trip and a half. <clears throat> I've done it to City Field. Yeah, it's it's not fun. Right, but you know, it's not the biggest market. And ironically, by going to Las Vegas, they will end up in the smallest market in baseball. Las Vegas will be the smallest market, which is interesting. And not only that, it'll be 
have a retractable roof, which they'll need, because obviously it gets over 100 in Las Vegas a lot. So there are a lot of people thinking, hey, I think I'll walk over to the ballpark tonight from the Strip. It's going to be hot. Really hot. Not going to be as easy as people think it is. But you're anti-fun. People just trying to have an excuse to get together. And you want to throw water on it. I can think of many other ways to have fun. At the A's expense. That was not it. No. Maybe some people just want to take in a ball game on a nice night. Or wanted to see what it was all about. At least they tried something. At least they tried something. All right, a lot going on today, uh, and Matt will continue to have no fun. (laughs) I'll continue to have proper fun doing it right. Mark Wogenrich, next half hour. It'll be great for me to talk to him because Mark actually knows how to have fun. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Elmo's Wharf online, sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, the best in new inventory with great warranties. Fabulous pre owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Great service department to back it all up every step of the way. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15. Hummel's Wharf online, sunburymotors.com. Joining us from SI.com is Mark Wogenrich. Do we have him all set there? Yes, we do. Hello, Mark. How are you today? Doing well, Steve. How are you? Doing great. Great to see you here last week. Yeah, that was great. It was a good time. Uh, when you go to something like that, and there's obviously multiple interviews to be done, what did you learn that maybe you had not known about before that you can convey to the readers? I think one of the most interesting things to me, and it, I mean, there's a lot of talk about current roster and, you know, uh, freshmen coming in, uh, how do they look, all that sort of thing. But Andy Frank... Um, player personnel, their director of player personnel, whose actually title is now kind of a general manager, right? General manager of personnel, was talking about the June recruiting period. Um, and one of the things he mentioned that was interesting to me was the fact that, you know, with the amount, they're going to have something on the order of like 50 ish official visits. And coupled with the camps, they're going to have several thousand players at, at their camps. Um, and, and Andy made the point that 
this is a lot. I mean, this is a lot to organize, to orchestrate, to keep track of, to entertain, to fuel, to everything to do. And this is June. This is the kind of month that a lot of us will, you know, out here in the real world kind of unplug from a little bit. Maybe we try to decouple ourselves, start vacations, or think about vacations. We try to decouple a little bit from work. June might be the busiest month of the year for the coaching staff and for the football staff at Penn State. And, and, and Andy said something that really fascinated me. Is like people on the outside who look at us and see, you know, well, you're coaching, all you're doing is coaching football, and June's the off season. No, June's probably the time we're the busiest. And if you would look at our kind of our mental health um, in June, that you might be surprised that this is not like the month for mental health at the, you know, where our mental health is at the best in the workplace. I found that to be fascinating to me because we have this impression and we have this vision of football coaches living in, you know, in the football offices and watching film from September through December, and then they unplug. But no, especially in college, maybe there's that bit in, in the NFL. But in college now, with the way the recruiting calendar goes, June is is just as busy a month and probably just as hectic and as tense uh, a month as 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 the season. I found that to be um, – that really took me back, the way he framed that um, that answer. That really kind of – that made me, you know, look at their staff uh, – in a, in, a, in a bit of a different way. I think if there was a tip-off to that, Mark, it would have been two years ago coming out yeah. of COVID yep. because when they were able to get face-to-face and get camps back and get people on campus, Penn State's recruiting took an incredible turn, and I think that's the tip-off as to what June means when they finally were able to get back to the the kind of June that they were used to having. Exactly, but now that the way the you know you've contracted the calendar, forcing you know forcing players to essentially to have to commit earlier in order to sign earlier, there are expanded number of visits. You know everything you know in some ways rightfully is geared to the player being able to make the best, most informed decision uh, that they can. But on the other end, you've got to. I mean, these are you know these are coaches who came out of spring, and I'm, it's not just a Penn State. This is across the country at that level of football, coming out of spring practice, and then your evaluation period in May, and then all of a sudden you're hit in June with this essentially this period to build your roster for the next year, two, three, four years. That that is the most critical time of the year. I just you know again, I just found that to be. Uh, a really kind of a really stark admission because you think well then when do you great you what you get two weeks break in july they'll send everybody you know on vacation in july before coming back to start camp and stuff like that um, there should be you know I, I i don't know the answer to the calendar but there should be more i think hard stops in yeah recruiting. i do too <laughs> i i do, i do too because i think guys need breaks yeah you know, they keep talking about how the players need a break, the players need a break. Coaches need a break, too. Yeah. Staff needs a break. Um, I want to continue, though, on the Andy Fisher uh, and, and Andy, uh, on Andy Frank part, because the reason that, because James made a big deal out of Andy, and, I, and I've talked about Andy many times, but 
You look at the numbers. People always are looking at transfers in, out, recruiting numbers. He's the one that takes care of all that. And it seems like when people are saying, well, they're at 89, they got to get to 85. Andy always seems to have that under control. And I find what he does amazing. The fact that he can be so collected about that, too, I, you know, they probably have. Again, he's managing. He, it's like he's managing, you know, a Major League Baseball roster or an NFL 53-man roster, and then a sub roster in a way. You know, or he's managing in a, you know, a Major League Baseball roster and the AAA roster at the same time. That he's just him and his staff. They have to, and, and they have to do it over the periods of years because they know. They know, you know, they know attrition, natural and otherwise. So the fact that you can be at 89, 90, 91 scholarships at a certain period, but have an intrinsic understanding that you will be at 85, that you might even be below it because you know internally what is going to happen. And then you can, if you're at, and even if you're at 89 scholarships and say, well, we still have room for, um, you know, whatever, a tight end from, from the transfer portal or, or anything like that. That's an enormous amount of work, and to be able to manage that um, with what has, with the absolute wholesale changes in roster management that have come over the past three years in college football. Um, I mean, there's there's little wonder that I, I think you know, and Andy mentioned when he started in 2014, you know, it was he he and basically an administrative assistant, and now there's right. Uh, you know, I, more than a dozen. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you're talking about more than a dozen people to manage um, to manage a roster, and it's 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 essential. Um, it's essential to build out in order to compete at the level Penn State is uh, is intent on competing at. You need to be. You need to be a corporate entity uh, in in that way, and that's the college football. You know, through all these changes that I think a lot of us are struggling to main, to keep pace with, or at least to process, and to be in Andy's position and not and just say, I, you know, I, I don't have the luxury of living in college football 1994 time. I just don't. I have to. We have, we're playing college football in 2024 time, and I have to manage a roster that. Um, that assesses itself on today's terms and tomorrow's terms. It's the amount of change in his, you know, in his world over the last three years is enormous. Like, you know, I, I liken it a little bit to the amount of change kind of in the journalism world, really, but, you know, over the last two decades or so, but even the last 10 years primarily, there's, I mean, he manages a lot. There's just no question about yeah. it. When you had a chance to talk to others, whether it was assistant coaches or Chuck Losey, what did you learn there? Chuck Losey likes everybody. He's not he's not um, not big on giving a ton of names. Uh, the one thing I did ask is, hey, you know, because he was talking about individual players um, and how they're making, uh, you know, the strides they're making in the off season. And I just said, you know, there's that the athletic does that freak list. Who might you nominate for that? And he was a little, yeah. he was reticent. Obviously, he's not going um, to gonna come out and say everybody because, you know, James Franklin says, say one player's name and you don't mention somebody else, uh, you know, maybe right. maybe that has an effect. I don't know. But one thing he did say that I thought was interesting 
was that Nicholas Singleton, if he, he would put anybody on there, it would be Nick Singleton from the perspective of how, not not his numbers, not from a testing numbers perspective, but from how he approaches the game. Um, he actually compared him. He said he's, he's similar, he has a similar sense to Saquon Barkley in, that, in how he approaches the game off the field. In that, uh, you know, the, the gains that Saquon made from his freshman to sophomore year were absolutely enormous, and he's seeing Nicholas Singleton kind of make those same strides. Um, I was struck, too, because one of my stories for the preview magazine uh, coming up, the Town & Gap preview magazine this summer, was about the defensive line. And James Franklin um, was not asked about the defensive line during his session, but went out of his way to mention particularly the tackles, um, the, how the defensive line is really growing into a strength, and by growing into a strength, I mean that some of the tackles also are growing in addition to being talented, and there being depth there. The guys are getting bigger. That's one of the points that James made last year, especially after the Michigan game. Um, some of our guys just have to get bigger, and he's seeing that. He's seeing that from players like Zane Durant, um, and he and he and he keen beam, and he out. Uh, he mentioned Devon Lees, who was a 300-pound guy anyway, but he mentioned these guys as working in ways that he had. Um, hadn't really seen before and I really like that the other thing I thought was really interesting was um, Jay Wan Sider talking about uh, Trey Potts the running back who came in from Minnesota uh, Minnesota and said uh, you've that he has to be really impressed as a coach with a player willing for, with a player who's willing to come into a running back room like that I mean this you know paraphrasing the quote from Jay Wan Sider we lost four running backs because to the transfer portal because of those two freshmen last year. And here comes somebody who wants to come in. When you're talking about adding players via the transfer portal, is that not what you dream of kind of as a coach? You don't necessarily know what you're going to get with him as a player. There could be a great benefit there. You could find a perfect niche for that player. But you're getting somebody who already is coming in who seems to fit that room really well. And I think that is the kind of thing that you've seen Penn State do in the transport portal very successfully over the past three years is bring in players not or who are not just good players but add to their culture, don't just fit in, but they add something to it. Yeah, and there's no question. And, and look, let's face it, I think what Jay One Sider tried to do is he kept telling him, Here's the deal. Here are these two guys. Are you sure you want to go? Are you sure you want to go? And Potts was absolutely sure that he wanted to be there. You know, he wanted to play whatever role in big games, and I don't think he felt like he had that chance, especially to play in big games at Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what yeah, that's what I mean by players coming in who add to your culture. It seems like yes. that they, yeah, it seems like I mean I think Chop Robinson really is doing that. I interviewed him over the summer, and I think he's really doing that. I think mean, you saw that with Arlo Bacchetti. I think you'll see that with some of the other players, too. Um, that they, they add something. You don't just ask these players to come in and fit what you do. You, you do, but you also want them to bring their experiences in and, and have that be beneficial. Like There is something that that, um, that Catron Allen and Nicholas Singleton, they're going to be able to learn from Trey Potts. He's going to be able to teach him something about his time in Minnesota, mm-hmm. or about you know, or about watching a, you know the way he used to watch a guard, you know, make a move or something like that, and how he would work behind that. He, 
they're going to he's going to be able to give uh, give them something. And if they're sponges, like we hear that they are, they are going to process that information and and, and make it work for them. And if if that's what you get out of if that's what you get out of him, you know, you get a couple of carries a game, maybe reception. But if you get him to be that kind of player for your younger running backs, who can give them something else that they need um, to succeed, then you. Yeah, then you've hit a home run out of the portal with him. Uh, a year ago, Mark, there was no question. Even though they were, they had not achieved the eleven and two record yet. I think all of us knew just standing there who the leaders were and how strong they happened to be. Did you get a sense from everybody when they talked where the leadership is coming from with this group? I think, yeah, I think they're still. I think they're still figuring. That out, I, I, I'm sure there, you know, specific players are going to make those strides. I, but I still think they are looking for guys to bring themselves into that role. I know we use the word organic mm-hmm. a lot; it, it's overused. Mm-hmm. But leadership, I don't think it's leadership because you had it in such strong ways last year. It can't just be players then divined to the next group. That's a you know, let's say PJ Mustafer and Sean Clifford say these are worth they, these guys were really good leaders, and I think they're going to step forward. That's great, but they have to take those roles and initiative uh, among themselves. I mean, I would look at a player, even somebody who we haven't seen on the field a mm-hmm. whole lot. Um, I got like Nick Dawkins, who I actually got yeah. able to get to know in high school a little bit, and wasn't able to play last year because of an injury. Going into his third year, I would expect a player like that because you know his personality. He has a very strong, I think, leadership style personality, and it comes yes. from the things that he also does off the field too. It's starting his foundation and being involved in um, live for life, that sort of thing. I think he has an element of that. Now, whether that can translate, um, yeah, how that translates into the room if he's not a starter. That's that's what's interesting to me, but I think uh, you know I just look at a player like that as being someone who can do it. I you know mentioned Devon Ali's. I you know I in an interview with him, I you know, I heard somebody who I thought had a very strong leadership personality, and he's somebody who uh, PJ Mustafer had mentioned as well. So those guys have to take their steps. I. I you know the quarterback is always going to be your main leader. I think, sure. and I will see, we'll see how uh, Drew and Bo Perbula handle that. I, I don't see them having the Sean Clifford um, presence yet, but you know they're second here guys too, so they they're not going to. So I would I, that I think is is a demonstrable place where they're going to need it. I I don't know that they're going to have that core that that those real strong I think Jair Brown PJ Sean Clifford kind of mm-hmm. even even Cristole kind of players this might be more of a group kind of uh, initiative and that maybe they don't have the giant personalities the um, fifth and sixth year seniors who have been around seen it all done it all kind of people that it's going to be maybe a little more collective effort. Mark, always a pleasure. It was great seeing you last week. I know I spent a lot of time talking with you, and I appreciate it very much. Yeah, absolutely. It's good seeing that. Maybe next week, too, I guess, Live for Life? Live for Life next Thursday, the 22nd. Yep. 
Sounds great. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Mark Wogenrich. SI.com. See, there's a guy that knows how to have fun. You know, they don't, you know, no complaining. Just, you know, <laughs> fun guy. He is a fun guy. I've I've had a couple of good times with Mark in the press box at Beaver Stadium. Fun guy. You know. Some other people just want to complain when people try to have fun. Like, okay. Yeah. All right. Fun. Fun. <sighs> no, senor! No, senor! No, senor! You need to work on your fun quotient. And why do I sense that we are not done out of done with rants today? There might be something still left. Oh, of course there is. But today was a lighter day than yesterday. I can say that. Right, we'll come back more in a moment. Great to have you with us today on New Re- News Radio 1070 WKOK. Swinging a fair ball inside the third base line, and Siri's going to turn and make his way to second. And he has notions about third. He'll put the brakes on as Seth gets it back in. We heard the uh, crowd go silent, and now getting very loud at the Coliseum. scoring and uh, Hogan can't hear with the pitch call because of the crowd and now time has called things have gotten loud here and this is certainly a new experience in 2023 at the Coliseum and last night telling the Steinbrenners in no uncertain terms to get out <laughs> no we're telling Brian Cashman to get out You know, I've talked to Brian before. He speaks highly of you. <laughs> I tell him, stop worrying about me and start, like, getting players that won't be injured and that can actually, like, you know, pitch and hit consistently and I'm not watching a triple-A team every month. Hmm. Is there anything that makes you happy... Yeah, championships, winning. Jeez, I thought wife and kids. All right, well, I guess I missed on that one. 